1: Welcome to it. Friday is here. It's Hail Varsity Radio
2: presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt again getting the day off. So it is Elijah Herbal taking you through the show today. As uh, you had me yesterday, you got one more day with me and I guess maybe two if you count the Saturday morning edition tomorrow uh, before we uh, take Monday off for Juneteenth and to uh, watch some College World Series. And we'll be back on Tuesday. But we've got a full Friday show to bring you first and I'm Super excited to be joined here on another Friday by yet again, Bill Dolman, the pride of Fairbury, joining us for an entire show. And uh Bill, good to good to catch up with you yet again, but you're getting tired of us.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I am. And thank you for acknowledging that, uh, you know, if, if Schmidt you know, is only going to work part time, then I think I should get part of his salary. At this point. Oh, you're telling me. Oh. I, I would agree.
2: Give <laughs> me some of that salary, too. But I was uh, was in this morning on uh, K4 Mornings, and then I uh, came in here and did the uh, the morning hookup this morning as well with Will. And I, r- respect for Schmitty goes up after a day like today. I'm sitting in here just trying to bring some energy. Uh, so I didn't want to drink... Coffee too late in the day because I got a nap in between the shows, and if I drank coffee before this, is going to be a whole issue tonight, or then it's going to mess up my sleep schedule for the weekend, and I I got a busy weekend planned, so got to make it through this show, we got a Saturday morning edition tomorrow, and then a weekend full of baseball umpiring in the 100 degree heat, so I'm going to try to keep cool this weekend and uh, uh, enjoy... Monday, as uh, I'll be up at the College World Series, might try to even make a, a trip up on Saturday. And that's where we'll start off here as uh, the first game looked like it may have been a blowout in the College World Series. Oklahoma jumped all over Texas A&M. And I can report to you at this moment, we're in the bottom of the seventh inning and Texas A&M has uh, crawled back. It is to 12-8 Oklahoma on top of the Aggies. And this was after, I, I believe, Oklahoma uh, jumped on top 12-3. to They hit a grand slam, uh, three home runs through the first uh, two innings uh, for these teams combined, so almost felt like a callback to the old Rosenblatt days with how much the ball was flying out of the park. But we've seen this in recent years as well, Bill, where uh, they flattened the seams in college baseball and we're starting to get back to some of the the, the Rosenblatt aluminum bat days of uh, home runs flying out of the ballpark.
3: Uh that's you know that's not fun. I, I you know look, I like I like offense, but. When we had those uh, those games where they were 21-14 to 14 and 17-13 and, you know, nobody was out of it until the very I, – I just became too much video game baseball for me. So I'm hoping that we don't uh, have games like this be the pattern, that this is more of an irregularity. Give me just good old-fashioned 5-2, 7-3s. You know, I'm good with that. But, you know, be, college baseball has been a, a – a really good game for the past decade, you know, since they really started to, they, they calmed down the bat and with the exposure for television and the baseball and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's, it's made it to me a better product than what you see uh, in the majors. Now, is it better baseball? No, but the product, the presentation um, and trying to, you know, neutralize things and make it fair. I, I've, I've enjoyed college baseball probably more in the last ten years, five years, than I have in my entire life. Really? See, I, I maybe it's
2: just one of those things where you look back upon your childhood with fondness. But whenever you see those old college World Series highlights of, of the ball just pinging off the aluminum bat, it, it's a, such a a nostalgic sound. And I, I understand the argument for. Uh, wanting to to make it more like actual baseball as opposed to video game baseball, I get that the home run numbers were crazy, and that's why they they made the switch to the the BB core bats, uh, the, the two piece composite bats. But something about the aluminum bats with that ball, just, no. it, it, it was flying off the bat at like 120 miles an hour, just line drive over the wall at Rosenblatt. That was beautiful. And I mean, when they flipped the uh, they they flipped the arrangement of. So, Uh, rosenblatt was the wind was headed out and uh they flipped it back for td ameritrade now charles schwab where the wind was blowing in i felt like it would have been perfect if they would have had the uh the old aluminum bats at td ameritrade or charles schwab or whatever the heck it's called now i I thought that would have been a lot of fun i I do kind of miss it because like who hates offense in baseball i I understand you want to keep the game short you want to keep it more like actual baseball but especially in the college world series let's have some fun let's hit some nukes
3: it is fun, but it, you 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 amuse me when you say the nostalgia of the aluminum ping. Nostalgia is the crack of a wooden bat, <laughs> not the ping of you know 70s. It's like I, I I long for the I long for the astroturf seventies. <laughs> <of the laughs> <70s. laughs> I mean that's that's what it reminds me. I, I, I long for when it was concrete and carpeting over the top. You know, not what it is now. <laughs> no, no, no. But you built, you got to that's remember here. That- dirt, grass, that's baseball. Okay, maybe not metal spikes that are going to sever tendons. Okay, maybe it's safer to not have those. <laughs> but to, to, to long for the nostalgia of the ping uh, is uh, is amusing. Let me, let me just say that. But so college baseball, you know, those who govern it, have done a great job, and, mm-hmm. and I, you know, to a certain extent, that I think ESPN has probably had a lot to do with that. We cannot have twenty-one, fourteen baseball games fitting into what we hope will be a two-hour and forty-five-minute to three-hour window. Okay, so I'm sure that the powers that be, that at ESPN, went to the NCAA and said, "We're going to put more of this on," but the games cannot be four hours. It's the same thing with you know with volleyball going to rally scoring throughout, because you couldn't you know, one of the greatest volleyball matches in the history of Nebraska volleyball and in college volleyball in general was in nineteen eighty-eight when Nebraska, Texas went like four hours and fifteen minutes in side out volleyball. Mm-hmm. And that's when ETV was one of the only networks doing volleyball. But they said, Look, if we're gonna put this in on television other than Nebraska ETV. It's got to fit into a 90-minute to two-hour window. That's why college basketball works so well. You know, that's why college basketball, women's college basketball, probably gets more uh, airtime than women's volleyball. It fits neatly into a two-hour window. And I really believe that ESPN went to the NCAA and the college baseball powers and said, look, these games have to try to fit into three hours. And do what you got to do to the baseball and to the bats and get it done. And we'll put it on all the time. They've got a great product in Omaha. I mean, it it has just worked. Mm.
2: And uh, it almost feels like they have found a a happy medium here in recent years because they went with the the two-piece composite bats and it felt like there was a a real – Uh, diminishment of of power and power hitting and home runs and then a couple years ago they went and flattened the seams on the baseballs of of NCAA so the the pitches didn't move as much coming through the zone and uh, the the pitches were able to or the 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 line drives were able to go further out in the outfield uh, because the the seams were lower less drag and they've kind of found a, a happy medium that's evidenced by a guy I'm really excited to see up here in Omaha this week uh, Melendez from Texas set the uh, the record for most home runs in a season since they went to that uh, the BB Core 2 piece composite bat set the record for that this year and hit I mean probably the longest home run I have ever seen uh, in a college baseball game in the super regional against ECU it went onto the road well beyond a parking lot in left field absolutely crushed it and then uh, he also hit one that was a, a back door, or sorry, a, a back knee slider. Now, it, it was going to hit him if he didn't swing the bat, and he swung the bat and somehow got that thing out of the park. So Melendez is going to be a, a great watch in Omaha this week, despite the fact that he plays for Texas. Ugh. Uh, but uh, I'll be watching anyway. And uh, I mean, a lot of great power hitters. You got that Auburn first baseman, who I think could be a fan favorite in Omaha this year because he's built like us. Uh, he's got that dad bod rocket, and he hits for power. He's a lot of fun. You got uh, Tim Elko from Ole Miss, another guy who hits for power. I think it's going to be a. Uh, a, a fun World series, college World Series, I should say, with some power. But, uh, Bill, here with this uh, last seven minutes of this first segment here, let's shift away from college baseball as uh, maybe we'll report a final score to you once that Oklahoma-Texas A&M game does indeed go final. But where I want to go with this is something uh, Schmitty and I discussed on Wednesday, and I want to bring it back up with you, Bill, because uh, you, you tend to have a, a good sense of Nebraska's draw and Nebraska's uh, – stance within the, uh, the college football world. And uh, Stuart Mandel, he, he does this about every single five years. And uh, we talked about on Wednesday, as I said, the, the Kings and Barons list. Schmitty called it the uh, the mob boss list of uh, you got the boss, the underboss, the soldiers and whatnot. But uh, <laughs> we talked about on Wednesday, and I, I want to get Bill's take on this. And I'll, I'll just read off some of the uh, the teams that are in the, the different tiers, Bill. Is, uh, this year you have the Emperor's tier, untouchably dominant. That one is only... Alabama in that list, and I think that is 100 percent fair with uh, the kind of decade, 15 years that Alabama has had since Nick Saban took the helm. Uh, unquestionable that Alabama is untouchably dominant in the emperor of the college football world. Then you move into the kings, where you find the Clemsons, Georgias, Ohio states, Michigans, uh, Oklahomas and Notre Dames of the world. Uh, a couple dubious. Uh, inclusions there uh, in Texas and USC, I would say. I think they do have the draw, but their results on the field haven't necessarily been up to snuff with what you'd expect. Uh, You move into the next tier after that, the Barons, where uh, you find Nebraska along with schools such as Iowa, Penn State, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Wisconsin, Florida, Auburn, and Florida State, among others. Then you move into the Knights, uh, who Stuart Mandel says are fighting for honor and glory. Those are the Utah's Ole Miss, Oklahoma State's NC State, North Carolina's of the world, and then the, the peasants way below that. And I, I think we can all uh, guess who the peasants of the college football world are. But, Bill, I just want to get your take on this as a whole. What do you make of of Nebraska's inclusions within the Barons, just a, a touch below the Kings, as well as uh, who actually makes it in as a King this year? Texas, USC, Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Uh, when you look at this as a whole, is it fair, based on the results in the field from Nebraska, that even though they have this great fan support, that they are a touch below those teams that are the kings of the college football world right now?
3: Well, clearly, first first of all, this is a, let's see, what am I going to write about in mid-June? Oh, I'll come up with this, and this will uh, do a little clickbait thing. Secondly, I think Nebraska is strategically placed where it is um, so that it'll get clicks. <laughs> Come on. It's going to be who, – who's, who's going to respond to a list like that more than Nebraska fans? Mm. So if I put them in the first 10, they'll respond. If I put them in the middle 10, they'll respond and say they should be higher. So this is an off-season, middle of summer, clickbait article by Stuart Mandel, and he found a way to label it. Although I like the mafia thing. that was a, That seemed to be a little bit better terminology. Maybe I'll steal that for something. But all that said, I think he's probably pretty accurate in in the in the majority of the listings that he has, and I will agree with you. Um, I'm not sure that Texas belongs in the what are they the Kings or something? Yes, the Kings. I, I, I'm not quite sure that that's necessarily true, other than they've got more money than most kingdoms. Um, but you know they they've been floundering around ever since Vince. Uh, Young ran for that touchdown in 2005 against USC in the Rose Bowl. Um, I, so I'm not quite sure that I, I'm, I'm willing to put them in that top tier or that b- tier below Alabama. And USC, let's face it, they're just sexy because they hired Lincoln Riley. Hmm. Um, I don't know that you know that they're not having the, the the run when they were doing all they were doing writing rules and pencil with Pete Carroll. Um, so. That's 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 just because Lincoln Riley is there, and there's really nothing else in the Pac-12. You know, to be honest with you, is there? Uh, Washington, no. Oregon? Utah. Yeah, okay, maybe Oregon. Yeah, uh, and or- got-
2: Oregon finds or- themselves in the same tier as Nebraska, the, the Barons.
3: Right, I, I find that uh, you know Oregon they've had some the turnover they've had at the coaching staff. I just find odd. You know, guys getting out of there, and you know, I get many Diaz going to Miami, but that's that's just kind of weird when they've got all the money that they have now I think Nebraska is probably where they should be if that okay. if you know this is the be-all and-all uh, in that second tier group given what's uh, transpired over 20 years um, and I'm sure you got a lot of clicks from husker fans you know saying uh, I agree or I don't agree and all that but then then this is this is just the era if it's all time Nebraska is in the top ten but if it's the last Two decades, okay, I, I can't really disagree with with too much there. Um, but other than Texas and and Texas and Lincoln Riley being in, the, in that, well, do you,
2: do you worry that Nebraska, with a a couple more years of ineptitude, could find themselves falling down the college football ladder even more? Despite the fan support that there is here in Nebraska, and uh, despite just the, the the history of this program. I mean, it doesn't feel like Nebraska is among the who's who of the college football world anymore, um, even though you get uh, stories like this where, you know, people want to get some Nebraska clicks on there and people will say whatever about Nebraska, to get the clicks. They know they'll get the clicks, but in in the grand scheme of college football, do you worry that Nebraska could, could keep falling down here in the next couple of years?
3: Yeah, but I don't think that's going to happen. You know, I, I, think, I think people are going to have their eyes on Nebraska football as, you know, as long as Scott Frost is the head coach and if, and if something goes terribly wrong and things get worse (laughs) the last few years, and instead of losing games by one score, that's losing them, you know, by four scores. And then you've got a turnover. There's going to be interest in who the turnover, who the coach, the new coach is. And if it's nobody that's all that sexy, then yeah, I probably could, you know, It probably could happen. Well, Um, we've we've talked about, I don't think that's going to happen though. We've talked about Nebraska fans, tempering
2: expectations in recent years with uh, just the results in the field over the past decade. And if Nebraska becomes one of those teams that has great fan support, but is eight and four, seven and five every single year with the occasional 11 and one season, is that still among the who's who of college football? I guess that's the question here that I'm trying to wrestle with in my own head.
3: But remember, we're going. We're going to go into a different era of college football. Mm. It's different than it was in the '80s and '90s and early 2000s, and it's and it's different since the major conference realignment in 2010. And there's going to be another realignment coming up in the next few years. I'm I'm just telling you. And there's going to be a, probably a college football corporation. So to measure what Nebraska might look like in X amount of years to what the college football landscape is right now. You know, two years ago we're not talking about NIL and the transfer portal was like, oh that's probably not gonna be that big of a deal. In two years, you know, Ryan Day's laying it down that it's gonna be two million dollars to be the quarterback at Ohio State. Listen to what I'm saying. And I told you I said this last week. He's saying that to be careful college football, but he's also saying, Hey, see what you can make at Ohio State. That's our going rate, right? Mm-hmm. So there was there was two messages in that one statement. And in a couple of years, You know, Nebraska is willing to be all in on that. And a lot of those schools that are on that that list are not. They're not going to throw their chips in. I got one an hour away from me that's not going to put their chips in. Right? So when college football goes to the power 64 or dare I even say 32, Nebraska is still going to matter because Nebraska draws attention, draws eyeballs, and it's important. Nebraska is important to the televised world of college football. And will be that way for
2: decades. There is Bill Dolman with us here on a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. We'll get caught up with Steve Mark after the break as Bill Dolman Elijah Herbal take you through this Friday edition
0: calling all Storm Chasers fans. A team you never get to see is making their way to Werner Park June 7th through the 12th, and that's the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. It's the first meeting between the two franchises, and there's plenty going on that week. June 9th is the Chasers Community Celebration for Pride Night, presented by PayPal. June 10th is What If Night, where the Storm Chasers will change their name to the Hogs. A little backstory, that was a previous Omaha team, and was a potential name change when the franchise Was looking to rebrand. It's a battle of pigs versus hogs. You can't have a name change without new jerseys, too. Specialty jerseys will be worn that night, and of course, they'll be autographed and auctioned off. Snag your favorite player June 10th and then run it back on the 11th. It's Salute to Corn Night, presented by the Nebraska Corn Board. It's a celebration of all things corn. Corn on the jerseys, corn in the stands. Trust me, this game will be amazing. See you there. We're back, fellas.
1: Think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
3: Yes, that's
1: awesome.
2: Elijah Herbal and Bill Dolman taking you through a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. We are presented by the Nebraska Lottery. A lot of stuff to get into today as the Warriors NBA Finals champions. We'll get into that here in just a second and we'll also catch up with Derek Peterson. Uh, still doing the Varsity Club podcast but also working for Saturdays down south now. So excited to get caught up with Derek. We haven't talked with him in a, uh, a few months so it'll be uh, good to chat with him and Also, uh, a quick preview of a big recruiting weekend. That's all still coming your way. But first, let's get caught up with uh, writer for Hale Varsity Magazine, Steve Mark, joining us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Steve, with this heat wave coming in here, I mean, everyone wants to get out and and see the College World Series, I think, this summer. But I'm sitting here dubious because I'm looking at ticket prices and I'm I'm looking at the, the weather forthcoming. And I feel like I'll be I'll be melting out in that outfield if I actually do make it out to a game this weekend.
4: I'm with you, Elijah. I'm gonna be uh, watching this this great tournament from the comfort of my own home, with the air conditioning on, with a cold beverage in hand, on my couch. So I'm with you.
2: I'm gonna bring up a topic here that Bill and I did sort of disagree with here in the first segment. Do you miss the aluminum bat era of college baseball? The the ping of the bat, the like 120 mile an hour exit velocity. Something about that just reminds me of my, my childhood and those runs Nebraska <laughs> made to the College World Series. And, and I, I love that era. And I kind of wish that they had never gone away from it. And they, they've made some changes to the game here in recent years to try to get power numbers back up slightly. But Bill doesn't miss that whatsoever. And part of me misses that, that nostalgia aspect of, Man, you're going to see a ball travel 120 miles an hour off the bat today.
4: Yeah, I think that's actually cool. Um, I, I'm with you. I I uh, I enjoy that sound. It, I grew up with the sound. I played uh, baseball just uh, as a as a young kid as well. And you know, it whenever you hear that, it kind of takes you back. So I, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, that's a that's a good call, Elijah. Good job.
3: No, again, <laughs> you're, you guys are both wrong. It's like. The, the ping takes me back to childhood like Budweiser takes me back to high school, you know, that, that's, it, <laughs> just not right. Um, but, and look and, and, and look, I, I, I peppered Quinn field back in Fairbury with numerous hits off of metal bats, but still the crack of the bat is, is a, is a sound that is sweet in baseball. It's like the, the swish of a, of a, of the net in basketball, you know, at, or a good hit in football, it, the ping. I remember being at a game at Haymarket Park shortly after it opened and I was doing the salt dogs, but it was Nebraska was playing. And I don't know if they, if they were playing like in the afternoon in Nebraska and the salt dogs were in the evening, but I was there. And somebody hits one like a pop-up. And I'm looking at the shortstop to see where the shortstop is going to make the catch and the ball just continued to carry and carry and carry out to left field for a home run. I thought it was a pop up to short. And some guy my size, 5'10 170 launches one over the left field wall. It's a different game with those metal bats and the cheating baseballs and all that. So you guys are both wrong.
4: Fair enough. I mean I see I see I see the benefits of both. Uh let's let's yeah, let's just let's leave it at that. <laughs>
2: I like the fun of aluminum bats, though, and, and the fun of, of power hitting. And uh, Steve, that's where we'll go next. This
3: Husker
1: baseball No, no, no. How about
3: this? Before we let's let's just do this, okay? Let's put everybody who wants to play on steroids and <laughs> aluminum bats and high seam baseballs in a league of their own. I'm there. Just go at it. Let's let's see how long those games take. Let's see how far they can hit their home runs. I mean, they're making up sports now on ESPN, the Ocho. I'm, I'm watching cornhole and axe throwing and, and drone racing. Let's just have the the Cheaters League of Baseball and have at it. SLB, the the, the
2: Steroid League Baseball. That's great. Yeah, steroid aluminum <laughs> baseball. I mean, I, you get fans in the seats. I can guarantee you that. People will watch. People will watch. That is true. And, and Steve, when, when we're talking about – people wanting to go out and see power hitting. People want to go out and see home runs. That is the way baseball is moving. And that was the way it felt like the Husker baseball team was going to move this year that they hit uh, for power more. You had a lot more guys swinging for the fences and you saw that that didn't quite work out. That's not what Will Bolton knows uh, in terms of, of his history, both as a player and as a coach, he's been more of a small ball guy. And this year marked a change from that. And we, we saw the results on the field that came of that and, is there a concerted effort whenever you see the, the 15 new guys coming in this off season, do you see a, an effort to move back towards a, a, a keep your, the, the ducks moving, keep them moving down the line, uh, singles and, and doubles are what score you run singles walks and doubles. I should say, as opposed to the long ball, is, is that what the Husker baseball team in your eyes will be trying to move back towards next season? Or are they going to stick with this, this theme of trying to find guys that can hit for power?
4: Yeah. Um, that's an interesting question i i I think that um will bolt at heart like you said is kind of a small ball guy and you know it's it's what got them um as far as they as they got a couple seasons ago and and when you look at who they're bringing in it's i think it's kind of a mix uh, a mix of guys who are um able to do that plus plus some guys who have um some pretty good power numbers um in the junior college ranks. I know um Zach Johnson from Southeast Community College he's a Miller North grad. He's coming he's coming to play for the Huskers um after a, a year with the uh Southeast Community College and he uh tied the junior college lead for home runs in a season. So I mean there's a there's a mix um uh, uh, and I I I just think that you know it's uh it's something that Will Bolt is going to have to Figure out, but um, just looking at last season and and what kind of a disaster it was overall. I think it'd be better just to kind of um, go back to what got them the success a couple of seasons ago. And I think Will Bolt knows that it's you know it's it's hitting for singles, it's stealing bases, it's it's bunting guys over, you know, keeping the line moving. Um, so. Well, we'll see. But um, if you had to ask me, I think that they're going to try to get back to what they were doing a couple seasons ago, um, rather than trying to, you know, hit for power like you were talking about. Yes, flash uh, this past season.
2: Steve Marks with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, and Steve, as a follow-up to that. Uh, next season, if it is different from this year, what do you think is going to be more important in in the battle to get this Husker baseball team back into the postseason? Is it going to be changes within the, the pitching rotation and getting the, the pitching better? Or is it going to be uh, fixing the lineup and getting more hits, more run support for your pitchers?
4: I feel like it should be the run support part and just offensively just scoring more runs and more con- more consistency above anything else. I mean, there were times last year where you know the offense looked pro- okay and gave the starting pitcher and, and pitching staff and relievers some some run support. Then there were other games where you, you just couldn't you couldn't see anything happening offensively, and they would get it out of games with one or two runs, and that's absolutely not enough. So I think just you know this upcoming season they need to really focus on the focus on the lineup, the offense being consistent, moving the moving the batting batting order every single game, because I think I I like the arms that they have coming back. Some of them coming back and, you know, there's a lot of options, multiple options coming in with these uh, newcomers too in this uh, class. So, um, but yeah, if you're talking about offense or, or pitching, I'd I'd really kind of focus on the offense and having it be way more consistent than it was last season.
3: Steve, I just think Nebraska lost its identity yeah, after the successes of two seasons ago, and I, I like what you said. Will Bolt knows that, and it's all. I'm not going to say that this last year was an experiment because I'm sure he wanted to win and repeat his Big Ten champions. But I, I think it was a great learning lesson for him that you know we cannot lose. Shall we say? And this would be Will Bolt speaking. We cannot lose my identity. You know, his identity is as a scrappy. Long Beach State dirt bag, remember that identity. That's that's Will Bolt baseball, and Nebraska lost that early last year. And granted, they had some injuries on the staff, but you know when you're looking to have those power hitters, that's pitching versus hitting. When you play the kind of baseball that Will Bolts did two years ago, when everybody fell in love with Nebraska baseball, and not just Nebraska fans but college baseball fans, you put pressure on the pitcher, and it's one against many. When you get a guy on base and he's a threat to steal or you've got the threat to bunt, that puts pressure on the pitcher. It puts pressure on the infielders. It puts pressure on that defense, and everybody's got to be in tune, and it wears you out as a defense and as a pitch, as an opposing pitcher. When you're just up there trying to hit that you know, American League two-run home run, you've lost your Nebraska baseball identity, and that's what he's got to get back. He's got to get the kind of players who are willing to play the way Will plays and played
4: yeah bill I, I I totally agree with that. That's an excellent point by yourself and you know when you're when you're um saying that, I kept thinking to myself like man like I think um bull I think will kind of realizes the situation, and I think he's the kind of head coach that you know, as we're kind of seeing with this uh class of you know over thirty thirty plus guys coming in, I think he's willing to you know realize the situation and make a change right away and not kind of wait one or two multiple seasons and 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 see how it goes i think you know he's he's seeing a problem he's seeing that there's is an issue and he's doing about and he's doing something about it in the very first off season and i think that that's really kind of commendable for him and and a good thing um, for the direction of this program steve last thought here about 30 seconds and
2: I was planning on talking some football here today, but the the baseball's been good, and college baseball's on our mind because of the College World Series, so I guess we'll just stick with this baseball theme to close here. At the end of last season, I believe it was Cade Povich uh, was meeting with the media, and he said he thought Will Bolt would be the coach that would get Nebraska back to Omaha, and uh, a lot of Husker fans, a lot of people in the media believe that. Do you think that your, your, your confidence in that sentiment there, that Will Bolt will be the guy that will lead Nebraska back to the promised land, do you think that's wavered within the past year for you?
4: no I I, it hasn't wavered at all I really think that you know Nebraska has the right guy in charge right now and I I just think that he he knows the game he lives the game he baseball is his life he he's a really bright mind I I just think you know he he maybe learned learned some lessons about this past season and is and is uh, working to correct it right now and I, I think that's the best thing that you can ask for for a head coach
2: there is steve mark joining us here on hail varsity radio you can find him on twitter at steve underscore mark and steve appreciate your time here on a friday if you do make it up to a college world series game try to stay cool all right bud
4: all right i will thank you elijah thank you bill
0: Calling all soccer fans. Union Omaha is back home after an unbelievable showing in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup round of 16. An upset over Minnesota United? That's our team. So join them when they come home May 28th for educational outreach night presented by Bellevue University. The Owls will face Northern Colorado Hailstorm FC and after a couple of road matches will come back on June 18th to face Greenville Triumph SC. It's also Pride Night. We'll see you there. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or
1: email the show, chris at halevarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Elijah Herbal and
2: Bill Dolman taking you through a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Steve Mark talking some uh, college baseball, some Husker baseball with us here last segment. And uh, we'll have that posted up shortly here on ESPN uh, You can also check it out. ESPN Lincoln's Twitter page and the ESPN Lincoln Facebook page. And uh, the whole show will also be posted in podcast form here a little bit later this evening as, uh, trying to crown a national champion in college baseball here in the next week or so. Uh, in discussions with, uh, with Schmitty about how we're going to get up to Omaha next week and uh, and get a live show up there. Where- unsure uh we've done a couple at uh, zipline up there only uh, a block away from td ameritrade for the past couple of years and now we also have access to the hail varsity club so uh we'll uh, we'll keep you updated on uh, where we decide to go but we've been uh, doing so many shows up there from omaha the past couple of years that uh, i'm sure we'll be doing another one here this season and as soon as we know where we'll be doing a show next week we'll let you know so you can come out and visit us uh we love to to get out and uh, talk with our fans and guess what i love those road shows too because zipline hail varsity whatever the, there's beer on tap while you're doing a show. It's perfect. I mean, what else could he ask for? Baseball, beer, and beautiful women. There's the the three best things about Omaha, and uh, they'll be out in uh, in full force, all three of those, baseball, beer, and beautiful women.
3: Well, ba- based on your previous comments of you know what goes with baseball, like a an aluminum bat ping, I would think that you'd be looking for Zima or Wang coolers or something.
2: <laughs> uh, no, no. Well, th- those have been replaced by uh, the-, the seltzers now, the hard seltzers. with okay, for, like, well, the what,
3: whatever it is your generation of baseball fan drinks. Guys like me, Bud, beer, of um, any kind, crack of the bat real grass and you can have your pings Zema's seltzers and astro, Derm- astro Dome, astro dome astroturf I will,
2: I will say i'm not a big fan of the seltzers but in the right situation they can be pretty refreshing they, that's, all, that's all i'll say <laughs> it's all and they're low calorie like come on man i like oh, uh i I, I i see i see what the appeal is i do i really do but uh Bill uh, trying to crown a national champion in baseball. And we did also get a champion crowned last night uh, on the hardwood NBA finals. The Warriors taking down the Celtics in game six. Elijah wins the bet against Will Wilson as uh, he took the Celtics last night. That's a hot streak for Elijah. I believe five straight victories now uh, for me on these. Uh, these It wasn't a stake in a beer bet last night, technically, but we'll call it a stake in a beer bet. That's five straight for Elijah's. The Warriors get it done. Uh, Steve Kerr after the game with some high praise for Steph Curry and the impact that he made on the floor this entire series as Steph Curry uh, gets his fourth ring, but this time his first NBA Finals MVP.
1: None of
3: this happens, you know, and that's not taking anything away from, um, Joe and Peters ownership, because they're amazing owners, uh, built an incredible organization. Bob Myers, uh, hell of a GM, and you know uh, our players. We've had so many great players, but Steph ultimately is you know, why this run has, has happened.
2: And we'll get into here in, in just a second and what this does to Steph Curry's legacy. But let's hear from the man himself, Steph Curry. He was happy with this, uh, this finals victory and said this one felt a, a little bit different than uh, the finals of old. Obviously, he had so much help with those previous teams. This year, it was really the Steph Curry show as uh, Steph was incredible all postseason long, really all season long. And uh, he caps off a season with his fourth ring
1: these last 3 years,
5: these last 48 hours, every bit of it has been a uh, emotional roller coaster. On and off the floor and you're carrying all of that on a daily basis to try to realize a dream and a goal like we did tonight. And uh you get goosebumps just thinking about you know all those snapshots and episodes that we went through to get back here individually, collectively and uh uh, that's why I say I think this championship hits different, and that's why I have so many, so many emotions and still will just because of what it took to get back here. And one of
2: the main reasons why this one hit different, you talk about the trials and tribulations over the last three <coughs> years for this Warriors team, but really a, a lot of chatter around the NBA world too. I, I saw a tweet last night where uh, it was a, uh, a moment on, I think it was ESPN's first take from a couple of years ago where they, they went around the panel and asked, uh, now that Steph has signed a new contract whenever he signed that four year two hundred and fifteen million dollar extension uh, the the panel was asked I believe it included Kendrick Perkins um, among others on that on that panel, how many championships will Steph Curry win under this new contract, and everyone said zero they held up a big old zero uh, in front of their faces, and Steph last night in the post game podium. Uh, he, he remembered it. He kept the receipts. He held up the, the, the zero in front of his face as well as, as he got a crown on this new contract. And uh, he went on in the, the postgame press conference to say that he heard the chatter uh, around the team the past couple years. Hearing the team that uh, the chatter, he couldn't win a title without Durant. He couldn't win a title uh, w- without the help that was around him. And Steph went out and did it uh, himself this offseason. Obviously, some great pieces on that Warriors team. But uh, Steph is the crown jewel. And he said he took that, that chatter around the league to heart.
1: It means we won. It means we uh, took advantage of the opportunity of getting back here. And
5: I mean, I hear all the conversations. I hear all the chatter. We hear all the chatter. At the end of the day, it's about what we do on the floor. I ain't got to talk about it. Just got to go do it. And uh, this one hits different. This one hits different for sure.
2: So uh, Steph Curry uh, almost feels like what we saw in the, the Jordan 30 for 30 doc, the, the last dance where he, he took things personally. And even if it, it wasn't meant to be a personal shot at, at Michael Jordan, he, he would take that personally for motivation. It sounds like Steph has, has done the same. And Bill, I'll pose the question to you. You're a guy who's seen a lot more NBA in your day than I have. I mean, I started my NBA career watching when LeBron James was in the league. You had those great San Antonio Spurs teams from the mid two thousands. And then LeBron took over and it was his show. And now, now we see Steph Curry taking over. And my question to you is with uh, another ring, his fourth, uh, which ties him with LeBron James in, in terms of wing, rings. One, I, I believe. I, I need, might need to check my math there, but I, I believe LeBron has one four as well. Uh, when you look at that, uh, where do you think Steph Curry ranks uh, among the all-time greats of basketball? Because this was really his his crowning season after everyone counted him out. He went and won a won a title yet again. Can we be talking about Steph Curry in that top five range in terms of his impact on the game and what he has done in it over his NBA career?
3: I, I don't know if he put him in in that top five category with or top one with michael jordan who i think michael jordan should occupy maybe the the top three spots um because curry's a great shooter and maybe the greatest shooter of all time uh you'd have to kind of go back and think larry bird was a great shooter i mean you could argue greatest point guard of all time
2: what's that you could argue greatest point guard of all time and how he changed how a point guard plays the game of basketball
3: Well, but you can say you know, and then you get into the magic thing and the John Stockton thing. I I just think, look, Steph Curry is the is arguably the greatest shooter in NBA history. Um, And there's, again, I I think Larry Bird. I'd have to think of some others that would that would come to mind in that regard. Reggie Miller, but yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. But but you know, is Curry's defense as tenacious and as demanding as Michael Jordan's? I don't think so. Um, you know, so I don't want to you don't want to say Steph Curry's just a a one-hit wonder because that he does the one thing you're supposed to do in basketball very very well and maybe better than anybody and that shoot it. But, you know, defensively and is he a distributor of the basketball? I I I I don't see that. I don't think his leadership is necessarily the same as what you saw from Michael Jordan or Larry Bird, but He's a game changer. There's no question about it. Is he one of the ten greatest? I could probably do say that because of his ability to shoot the basketball. I respect, you know, this this championship for the for the Warriors more so maybe than any of the others that they've wanted in recent history, although Milwaukee's last year was was pretty respectable because it wasn't that super team thing. It wasn't, you know, all the buds wanted to get together and and go on a place and win a championship and then go on their, you know, wherever they wanted to go, like LeBron's championships. And when they had Kevin Durant, you know, that was the super team. And, well, this was more Golden State kind of, organic, if you will, even though they brought in Wiggins and not everybody's, you know, growing up through the system. But I think this one, as he was saying in his postgame comments, probably may be the most satisfying of all because at this stage of his career, which is what, 13 seasons now, um, that this is a very sweet because this was much more of a Golden State team instead of a, you know, makeshift super team that was, you know, I think has kind of turned people off of the NBA. Well, we'll talk more NBA finals here coming up after the break as we
2: wrap up hour one here on Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
1: And now, and now, back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: Wrapping up the first hour here of Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Elijah Herbal and Bill Dolman. You can uh, connect with us on Twitter. It's a great way to reach out if you want to get connected with the show today at Herbal Essences on Twitter for myself, Elijah Herbal, and at Bill Dolman on Twitter for the man, uh, I would say, sitting next to me, virtually sitting next to me, but joining us here from Denver, Bill Dolman. That's where you you find him on Twitter. And before we wrap up here this hour, just some a uh, few more quick thoughts from the NBA Finals last night. As uh, we gave you the Celtics, or excuse me, the Warriors side of things. Let's quickly get into the Celtics as uh, Coach Ime Udoka met with the uh, media following the disappointing loss last night, and he doesn't sound like he is completely. Discouraged by the results of the finals. As you're still as a young team, obviously, Jason Tatum, only 24 years old and with all his career accolades, I mean, he sits above guys like LeBron James and Steph Curry based on age, um, based on how many postseason wins they have and postseason performance. So uh, though it wasn't a, a postseason or I should say a finals to remember from Jason Tatum, still a, a long career ahead of him. And uh, Coach Ime Udoka really, really echoed those sentiments last night as well. What I did say when, to the group was there are levels and you can see the difference in Golden State and the team that's been there and been together for a long time. Some of those guys core group has been 10 years now. So, um, you know, we've seen what we can achieve and it, it hurts that we fell short of that. But, um, you know, what I did say was the future is bright and we're just getting started. So let's all come back better from this experience. And, and this is this is kind of the, the power vacuum era where we're going to be entering here into the NBA with. Uh, guys like LeBron James, soon to be out of the league. Guys like Steph Curry, really, are even aging as well. Uh, you look at the the Paul Georges of the world, where there there is a new young core of NBA stars that are are waiting to take over. When you look at guys like Luka Doncic, Trey Young, uh, even Nikola Jokic, Jason Tatum. I mean, John ja Morant. There's there's stars abounding uh, and sp- young stars, young talent that are, are ready to take the the league by storm. But I think last night was an indication that these. These vets, the, this old guard isn't ready to, to pass the torch over just yet. I mean, we're only two years removed from LeBron James winning a title. Steph Curry wins a title last year. and uh, There's still talent among the old guard. And, uh, just because you have guys that are, uh, are young and, and taking over the game, it doesn't mean they're, they're ready to, to take over. I guess they're, they're, they're taking over uh, where the game is headed, but they haven't taken over the game completely yet. And I think last night was an indication of that, that uh, the vets still have something left in the tank, Bill.
3: You know, one of the things that I learned when I was working in the NBA, um, it's been several years now, um, but you you still have to know how to play in the NBA. Mm -hmm. You just can't go into the NBA because you're a great basketball player and you're going to make it in the NBA. There were plenty of times when I would watch warm-ups and whatnot, and you'd have an assistant coach who was assigned to that prize first-round draft pick who was 19 years old who just didn't understand how to play the game. And, you know, you almost felt sorry for the assistant coach who was assigned to, to babysit and go through NBA 101 with this guy on a nightly basis, and you felt sorry for the kid who probably would have been a college basketball star for a year or two and then would have been more seasoned for the NBA, but you still – that's why you see so many guys who are still 37, 38, 39 who are older just rugged and they're still in there because they know how to play a schedule like that. And that's why guys like Curry and Draymond Green and – Clay like Thompson will last a long time is they just understand how to play that business of basketball. Well, uh, Warriors get the title
2: last night, and that concludes a, a fun NBA season. It was fun to follow here, and now we eagerly wait the the start of a new season of NBA, new season of football. It's all upcoming, and we'll have... Uh, Derek Peterson upcoming on the show. That's uh, coming up after the break here on Hale Varsity Radio. Hello, listener.
6: Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to hailvarcity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR.
1: Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmidt's underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. We're into Hour 2 here on Hail
2: Varsity Radio. No Chris Schmidt, but it is Elijah Herbal and Bill Dolman taking you through this Friday edition. Schmidt returns for the Saturday morning edition at 7 to 9 here locally on uh, ESPN Lincoln. Our listeners around the state can uh, check that out at ESPNLincoln.com or wherever you like to get the Hail Varsity Radio podcast. A fun Hour 1 as we talked some NBA finals here before the break. And uh, before that, we talked with uh, Steve Mark, Hail Varsity. Magazine is uh, fun to talk some college baseball with Steve. We uh, roll into our tune. We're excited to welcome back to Hale Varsity Radio Derek Peterson. It's been a few months since we've chatted with Derek. Uh, he's been uh, working on the new gig down. I believe it's Saturday's Down South, and uh, he also has his Hale Varsity Club podcast. And uh, Derek, it's been a while. I, I just want to start this off here by really confusing the hell out of Bill and saying, "What a great early summer." Signing window, it's been for Antonio Conte and Tottenham Hotspur.
5: Oh, it's been so good. Um, <laughs> I will always have a soft spot for Christian Eriksen for the rest mm-hmm. of my life. Um, also, I think Pau Torres is an absolutely incredible um, <laughs> halfback. And if we can find a way to get him onto the team, um, I will, uh, I, like, the the amount of uh, good goodwill that Conte has, created is just insane it's just remarkable to think about
2: oh yeah you're 100 <laughs> right bill dolman has given me the the glazed overlook he, he has no idea what we're talking about that was the goal there as uh derek and i you hope- win. yeah <laughs> derek and i both <laughs> some uh some in pain tottenham hotspur fans after uh, watching the past couple of seasons but hope abounds at hotspur way we'll uh, we'll see how that goes this year uh, hey, it, it's
3: not like I haven't heard these conversations before. Let me just little drop something on the floor here for you. When I was at NBC headquarters, doing my thing, you know, you got the Premier League uh, show and yep. you'd have you'd have the whole gang together and they'd be in the uh, the commissary doing their thing and talking their thing and all my producers and people around me they're saying they're talking the same stuff and making sure that you say tottenham right and premier league <laughs> and all of this stuff so i've been around it before so and i tuned it out then too but anyway
7: <laughs>
5: Oh, well, I don't uh, blame you. It's always been bad as a Tottenham Hotspur fan.
2: That so. it has. That it has. It Ever dating back to uh, that, that uh, the preseason whenever they had Ted Lasso come in and be the coach before the Ted Lasso show. Uh, I, I kid, <laughs> obviously, whenever they had that commercial out there. That was legendary stuff. We gotta love the Ted Lasso show. But let's get back on topic here. Is, uh, Derek, it's been a while since we've last chatted with you. I know you've been uh, working on that new gig. Tell us a, a little bit about what you've been working on, uh, how life's been, and, uh, and what you're up to.
5: I'm good. Um, my uh, my routine is is pretty solidified now. It's kind of nice. I cover the Pac-12 uh, for Saturday out west, which ah. is a new site, sort of under the the umbrella of Saturday down south, sister site. Um, so I'm the site lead for uh, for Pac-12 coverage, and it's nice because I am in Chicago, obviously, which is two hours ahead of you know. Stuff out on the west coast so my day starts a little bit later than normal so i can go to the gym in the morning before like getting started on my day and i don't have to get up and go at 5 a.m it's pretty nice um but i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying it it's uh i gotta give a big shout out to lincoln riley for making usc a little bit more relevant again uh just in time but it's fun it's it's definitely interesting to go from um covering just one team to covering 12 so that's been quite the adjustment
2: well, Derek, the thing is, is you get to wake up early and, and and go to the gym now. But come fall, you're gonna have to be staying up late for for Pac-12 after dark. Those late night Pac-12 games on ESPN.
5: I can't wait. Um, there's a handful of a handful of teams that maybe won't be any good, but I'm really excited to watch. Um, also, I think I think it's super cool. As I like kind of, I'm I'm sort of going through rosters and creating my. Um, you know, making some some in-season resources for myself. I'm just going through like scholarship distribution charts and things like that. And it's cool to see all the former Nebraska players <laughs> from my time covering Nebraska that are now like kind of littered through the Pac-12. Uh, I'm very excited to get to watch Tajant Lindsay Hopefully, have a healthy season with Oregon State. Um, he should be. If he's healthy, he should have a, a pretty substantial role within that offense. And I got a soft spot for Tijon Lindsay, man. I, I, I'm excited to, to watch him go.
2: Well, Derek, you're the perfect person that I want to talk to for, for what we've been getting into here today. And we've been talking about Stuart Mandel's Kings and Barons list that he released in The Athletic earlier this week. And uh, yeah. he, he ranks, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but he ranks all the college football programs uh, based on if it was like a, a medieval era where you have your Kings to your Barons to your Knights all the way down to your Peasants. And Nebraska, for the second straight iteration, finds themselves within the Barons just below, uh, or a step below the Kings Uh, which would be the Ohio States, uh, the Georgias, the LSUs, the Notre Dames, the Oklahomas of the world. And you being a guy that's been around Nebraska, but also in recent months has kind of – uh, Taking a step back away from the program. Do you think that's a, a fair estimation of where Nebraska is in the college football world? Like, well, we know Nebraska draws the eyes, they draw the fan support, but the results on the field haven't been there. And uh, I think some older fans might want to see Huskers in the, uh, the Kings list because of the history and because of the fan support. But I think the results in the field drag them down. Do you think the Barons list is a good place for Nebraska to be?
5: Yeah, I would agree with you that Uh, just in terms of like brand power and historical significance and really just like overall significance within the the sort of greater college football landscape. Like you could make the case that Nebraska uh, should be in the Kings. Um, I remember I I read this same story. I remember reading it and seeing Nebraska and was like, okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think it, you know, I think it just kind of goes to show um, the power that this program still has the power, you know, Frost talked a ton when he first got here about the power of the N um, when they're out on the recruiting trail and things like that. And and I think, you know, even for the most pessimistic um, viewers of Nebraska football, like this off season, you, you really can't look at it and say anything other than, well, Nebraska still has power as a, as a college football, blue blood, as a brand, the transfers that they've been able to, Secure, bring into the fold. Um, they pulled a Power Five quarterback from Texas, which is a big deal. They pulled a Power Five edge rusher, defensive lineman, whatever you want to call him, from TCU, who everybody in the country wanted. It was a big deal. They've, they, you know, they got one of the best offensive coordinators in college football last year, or I should say, the most successful offensive coordinators in college football last year, to come join Scott Frost's assistant coaching staff. So if you're like, if you're looking at that list and thinking, you know, this is a this is a ranking of like successful on-field programs in the last however many years. Like, you probably came away being like, why is Nebraska so high? But like, for what it is, which is how much power does this program have? Like, I think Nebraska was was pretty appropriately slotted.
3: Derek, I was a little amused that you you, just a a few moments ago when you said, uh, "You know, the the games that you'll be watching late at night. Don't know who they'll be, who they will be, but at least some game will be on." And it it kind of struck me as Pac-12 football after dark is basically the old whack or Hawaii. It's that game that's on because you want to have a game on at eleven or twelve o'clock at night so you can still watch college football, but you really don't know who they are why they are, if they're any good. <laughs> it's just football that's out there. Oh, and USC, who played earlier in the day. I mean, that's yep, really yeah. kind of what the Pac-12 is to the rest of the country. It's relevant because it's on. Not USC, yeah. not Lincoln-Riley-U, but everybody else for the most part. We watch Pac-12 football because it's on, Right. So, yep. what's going to happen right. when USC bolts the Pac-12, as was rumored about two weeks ago? That when everything shakes out, will USC still stay in the Pac-12?
5: I saw uh, some reporting from John Wilner that that while that was discussed, and John Wilner is like the big guy in, in Pac-12 media circles, while that was discussed, and that's certainly a thing that people have talked about. He doesn't expect that to happen. Um, I mean, like, the Pac-12 is definitely, talk about power um, of the, the various Autonomy 5, Power 5 conferences. Like, the Pac-12 is definitely at the bottom of the totem pole. And, a, a you know, a big part of that is the fact that, you know, outside of USC and Oregon, like, you're only watching teams if you are up at 11 p.m. on a Saturday night because that's when they're playing. Um, but also, you know, the previous Pac-12 commissioner was very bad at his job. Very, very bad at his job. <laughs> so the next like media rights negotiation, this this next round of media rights negotiations is kind of going on all throughout the country. Big Ten is taking part in it now. It's going to be really, really crucial for um, I, not just the Pac-12, but like the sort of the long-term viability of the non-SEC power conferences, mm-hmm. because Like, if they're not able to secure deals that are anywhere close to what the SEC is getting, like, the SEC is just going to continue to further the gap between it and everything else. And then, you know, there's going to come a point. I feel like it's, it's like, I I feel like it's an inevitable end game here. There's going to become a point where we get sort of like a, college football version of the NFL where you have like this 32 team, 30 team, however, like however big the league is, that's the best teams in the sport. And then some kind of amalgamation of everybody else. And so like, I kind of think that this next round of media negotiation that we're kind of going into the pac 12 has to figure out it's media rights deal. The big 10 is doing the same thing. Is going to, I feel like probably determine like how quickly that, point off in the future arrives.
2: Talking with Derek Peterson here on Hale Varsity Radio, and Derek, I mean, one of the the First, things... Whoa, 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 whoa. Go,
3: go for it, Bill. Go for it. Clearly, Derek listens to Hale Varsity Radio Friday afternoons at 5 o'clock Central Time, so I just want to thank him for that. Bill, Bill's been saying this for months, Derek. I've been saying this since 2004.
5: <laughs> yeah. Yes, it, but, you know,
3: I don't think it's like
5: <laughs> fear-mongering or anything like that. I think that that's... Great minds that, think alike, but hey, hey, you're right, too. So,
3: if, if, if people want to get a good sense of what could happen, John Wilner, the San, he used to be at the San Jose Mercury News. I mean, he may have gone off and is doing his own thing. But that's another that's guy News. that that people should tap into in terms of where college football is going, especially when it comes to the meteorites. And I don't say that flippantly. I'm not a big... Booster of media people, but you have to follow the TV dollars, and that guy's yep. been doing it for a long time.
2: Yep, Derek. Uh, just to kind of tie these two topics together here, and uh, I'm not sure what your schedule looks like, but we're already coming up against a break here, so I might have to ask you to, to stay another segment if you're available. Just throw, throw that around the mind yeah. for a second here while I answer this question. Uh, if we do move to this NFL type system, 32 teams, even say 24 teams—I mean, whatever the number is. As it stands right now, I mean, talking about Nebraska's relevancy in the, in the college football scene, does Nebraska make it into that league?
5: Yes, yes. As, I mean, is Nebraska, if like, like it's if it's thirty-two teams, that's the top half half of power-five programs. Does Nebraska belong in the top half of power-five programs? Yes. Um, it just, I mean, just in terms like. You know, Nebraska's going to open a season in Ireland. What percentage of that stadium is going to be red? Like sixty, seventy, eighty percent, and something something rather large. Like Nebraska, in terms of the fan base, in terms of the brand power, in terms of the money that it draws and the eyeballs that it draws, absolutely. And that's going to be the determining factor in something like that. Like. I personally want a system of promotion and relegation in college football. I want it badly. I'm I'm with Bill Connolly on that. Um, I I love it in European soccer. I want it for college football. I know that logistically it would be kind of tough. But, like, you know, maybe we get a situation like that with this sort of super league, hypothetically, that we're talking about. But, like, yeah, Nebraska would absolutely be in it to start. I would be shocked if Nebraska was not a team just based on what we talked about, like brand power, you know, their – financial stability the support for the program the visibility of the program yeah absolutely
2: Derek the way I see it, the way I think would be awesome is you have like a champions league system where you qualify for this super league uh based on what you do in your conference the year before and that obviously that would have a, a lot of logistics to iron out as well but I think that'd be really cool is your performance in one year determines whether you make it into the super league in the next year and uh super league performance also determines whether you make it back I think that'd be awesome and uh I guess that was kind of discussed, well not discussed, but uh, played around with with, uh, with European soccer whenever they almost went to their Super League thing a couple years ago, and how do you determine who qualifies for it? But I digress. Derek, we're up against a break here. Would you mind giving us five minutes on the other side? Uh, I, I have a, a question sure. for you that Bill and I discussed before the show. I texted you about it. I want to get into that, so if you can hold five minutes, that'd be great. Absolutely. Well, uh, we'll have five more minutes on the other side with Derek Peterson. It's uh, awesome to get caught back up with Derek here. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
7: Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity. and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's slash subscribe.
1: Promo code. And we're back. Fellas, so, think we could listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
4: Yes! That's awesome!
2: Elijah Herbal and Bill Dolman taking you through a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio and we're lucky to get another segment here with Derek Pearson uh, as uh, Derek doing great work covering the Pac-12 for the Saturdays down south site Saturdays out west which uh, as a name really just uh, it, it makes sense uh, I should have seen that one coming whenever I introduced uh, Derek here at the beginning of this hour and uh, Derek, good stuff back in, the, in that first segment, and it's so good that we didn't even get to what I really brought you on to talk here about, because I've gotten uh, some, some people that want to disagree with me here, typically people of, of uh, Bill Dolman's age and up, the people who were here watching <laughs> Nebraska in the 90s. Chris Schmidt's included in that, where I-, I mentioned the fact that as we were discussing earlier this week, Nebraska is a team in the college football world that is trying to change uh, what their reputation is, at least uh, their reputation over the past 10 years. And I, I said, essentially, Nebraska has been a-, a team of very talented losers. And I don't mean losers in the sense of, well, like these guys suck like, or like, you know what I mean? Like uh, these-, these are bad people. They're losers. It's like they're very talented, but they just find a way to lose football games. And the the example I brought up of a team that Nebraska could try to emulate uh, in terms of not having a a great recruiting base within their 500-mile radius, that they got to turn to places like the transfer portal and they got to get creative to find players, and uh, they've made their hay with uh, a strong running game. And it's a team that we've gotten a chance to see a lot whenever there's nothing else on at 11.30 p.m. on a Saturday. It's the Utah Utes. They've had a resurgence over the past couple years. Uh, A quarterback that protects the ball doesn't – wow you with his play on the field, but uh, he, he's good at leading a football team and they, they surround him with good talent. They've acquired both through smart recruiting decisions and, and smart decisions in the transfer portal. I, I think if Nebraska wants to get back to a place of, of relevancy within the, the college football world on the field and, and out of this, this uh persona they've developed for themselves of being uh, a team of talented guys that come off the bus and scare you but, but can't get the job done, is Utah a, a program that you think could be emulated by Nebraska in order to get back to the place where Husker fans want to see this team?
5: Um, yes, but it's not... It wouldn't be emulating Utah. Um, so, Kyle Whittingham, the head coach for the youth, has been the head coach for the youth for 18 years. Behind Kirk Ferentz, he's the second-longest tenured college football head coach. Okay. Um, his defensive coordinator, Morgan Scaley, has been an assistant at Utah for 15 years. Their offensive coordinator, Andy Ludwig, is going into his fourth year, but it's his second stint with the program, and he was with the team during its undefeated season in 2008. Um, Utah's whole thing is continuity. Utah's whole thing is consistency. Utah's been one of the most consistent programs over the last two decades, in part because of Kyle Whittingham, but also because there is this established culture there, and there is this – you you know what you're going to get from a Utah team in in a sense of they're going to out-muscle you. They're going to be very physical. They're going to play really good defense, and they're going to run the ball right at you. They had a a three-headed running back attack last year that produced over 2,000 rushing yards. And the lead guy in that attack had an FBS leading 21 rushing touchdowns. And they they have a quarterback who I really like, who I think can be a Heisman guy, but he's not like a Caleb Williams type. He's a guy that can hurt defenses with his legs, but he just plays really smart football. They operate really efficiently. That model of football is not specific to Utah, even though it is Utah right now. As I'm describing that model of football, I'm thinking about Nebraska, like pre-2000s Nebraska. Nebraska. One of the things that I talked a bunch about whenever I was advocating for Scott Frost to get another year was continuity. It matters. When you're trying to build team culture, when you're trying to build a program, continuity matters. Having the same ideas, the same kind of um, messaging, this is what we're going to be about. These are the things that we're going to focus on. These are non-negotiables, things like that. That stuff matters. Consistency matters and who's going to be the more consistent team on Saturdays, well, that team's probably going to win more often than not. Um, and so, like, could Nebraska try to emulate Utah? Sure, but I don't think they would be trying to emulate Utah. They would just be, gonna, you know, a lot of people are going to laugh. They'd just be trying to get back to the 90s Nebraska, <laughs> which, which isn't a bad thing. People, like, laugh at that thought or say, like, Nebraska fans are stuck in the past. Well, I mean – that will work. We've seen it work. It works with Wisconsin now. Um, so, I mean, I, I, think it's a good, I think it's a good example of a team that there's no reason Nebraska can't be like that. There's none. Um, Utah's been really good at developing talent. And they don't recruit super well. They've started to in recent years because of the success that they've had. Um, but they just are, are really good developers of talent. And Nebraska can be successful recruiting. We have seen that. We know that. Nebraska is a national brand. It can be successful recruiting. Nebraska just needs that consistency component, and it needs to develop talent, which, you know, evidenced by this past NFL draft, this coaching staff can do. So, you know, I think maybe don't try to emulate Utah. Maybe try to emulate what was good in the past, which is, is uh it's going to cause a lot of people to laugh in Nebraska, but like that's that's the way to do it. That's the way to have a successful program.
3: That's exactly what that, when when Elijah was uh, giving his uh, wrongfully thought out dissertation, <laughs> I'm thinking Nebraska just needs to emulate Nebraska. And I, and I can remember you know going when when Utah was in the Mountain West Conference, and we're going through this you know the the seismic shift in conference realignment. I worked with people who went to Utah, big Utah fans. And we were talking about Utah making that move from the Mountain West to the Pac-12. And I said, the thing that Utah needs more than anything is just a total buy-in by the fans, by the administration, by businesses to invest in their stadium, into their culture, into their recruiting, and to to operate in a way that they want to be one of the big boys. Nebraska has done that. Utah sort of emulated Nebraska. I'm not going to say they did, but the other team that went into the Pac-12 at the same time, Colorado, did not. They did not go. They just lived on. Well, we had a great early 1990s, and we got mountains and weed. You know, they they did not push in like Utah's. Like we're going to be competitive, and the rest of the Pac-12 was like, we weren't ready for that, and they were serious about it. And Kyle Whittingham, you know, Derek, you talk about the continuity. Uh, Kyle Whittingham, I can remember, was always up for every job every year. And then all of a sudden, much like Tom Osborne in the late 80s and 90s, all of a sudden the name doesn't come up anymore because it's like, well, he's not going to leave. Tom wasn't going to leave Nebraska. Kyle Whittingham's name doesn't come up for jobs anymore. Kirk Ferentz at Iowa used to be the hot name. Yeah, that doesn't come up anymore either. So that continuity is absolutely 100% correct. But Utah decided when they went to the Pac-12, we're going to be all in. And it's paid off for them. And they're still okay, I believe, with eight wins, nine wins. You know, that's that's a good season for them. If they win the Pac-12, great. But we can still, you know, be happy with eight wins in the Pac-12. Nebraska still thinks we should win national championships, and that's a good mentality to have too.
5: Yeah, Um I mean, Utah had a, like a three and two season during the COVID year. Um, not, you know, not a, a great season by any stretch of the imagination. Um, the juxtaposition between the way Utah entered the Pac-12 and the way Colorado entered it, is, is, I think, is a really good point because you're right. Utah has invested a ton into. Um, into its program and, and making sure that okay we're in a you know we're in a Power Five conference now we want to be taken seriously so we need to you know up the ante so to speak and I think it, you know Nebraska has done the same kind of thing um, they paid for Scott Frost they have paid to keep a guy like Eric Chenander um, Trevor Alberts has come in and he's been fiscally responsible but they have this massive new facility coming that's going to be a big big deal for nebraska like if they win like six or seven games like you can start selling that facility Uh, you know that's going to be a very very big deal um so you know i i I would agree with i would i would agree with you Bill. bill that was good
2: it's Derek peterson with us here on hail varsity radio presented by the nebraska lottery Derek, appreciate you taking some extra time last thought before we get you out of here today I mean, I, I know Stanford is the, the Pac-12 school that's in the College World Series this year. Is that the team you're hopping on the bandwagon, or, or who's your team this year in Omaha?
5: Oh, I have no idea. No idea. Um, I, I will go to baseball games and kind of enjoy myself, but, I, you know, unless I'm driving home, I'm not. I'm, you know, I didn't really even watch the NBA Finals, which is weird. I've been kind of checked out. I'm so ready for college football season. I don't think I've ever been this excited for a college football season for a litany of reasons in in a while. So I can't I can't answer that question. Well,
2: Sorry. man, it's okay. I just thought that'd be a good question with Oklahoma in the field <laughs> and you got Stanford in the field. I thought Derek would have strong opinions. It's all right. It's all good. Uh, no, as, uh, you get no. a, a little distance from Omaha and it's all right. Uh, Derek, enjoy the uh, the rest of your weekend. It was great getting caught up with you and uh, have yourself a lovely I, – I hope we should talk at least at, at some point here before the start of college football season. But until we meet again, you have yourself uh, a good time and uh, have fun covering the Pac-12, all right, bud? Hey, thanks for
5: having me on. Appreciate talking to you. See
3: you, hey, Derek.
2: Eric Peterson joining us today on Hale Varsity Radio as uh, we've got Ryan Swanigan just checked into the studio he is getting all set for Salt Dogs baseball coming up tonight for our local listeners here on ESPN Lincoln the Salt Dogs taking on the Winnipeg Goldeyes. first pitch coming up a little bit after six thirty. so right here following Hale Varsity Radio we'll be getting into Salt Dogs baseball coverage and if you're listening across the state and you want to check in for the Salt Dogs check them out ESPNLincoln.com and Bill, I'll concede the point. I, I was wrong on, on, on Utah. You guys both made good points, and I'll, I'll, I'll change my tune. I'll change my tune.
3: Hey, look, I got a lot of respect for Utah. You know, I covered them a lot, uh, when obviously, when they were in the Mountain West, and that's, you know, where I worked and was around Kyle Whittingham and could see how they were, you know, working their operation. And, and for me, I look at everything through Nebraska, colored glasses, and always will. And I could see Kyle and the way they were developing that program. It was not at Nebraska's level, and it's still, in my opinion, not at Nebraska's level. But I remember talking to you know the people that I work with and the people in the conference saying they've got to invest. They just can't accept the invitation. They need to understand that this is a big business move. This isn't just a college football. Now, I will say this. They put everything into football, which is what you have to do. But their basketball program, which was, you know, a darling when Rick Majerus was there uh, and was, you know, a staple on ESPN Big Monday programming back in the 1990s. That program has not recovered and they really have not put a lot into it, although they, you know, um, well, the former Nebraska assistant uh, is now the head coach there. Smith, Craig Smith. So that's great. But Utah has decided we got to be great in football. And everything else is kind of trailed along, but they did what they had to do to be relevant in the Pac-12, and that was to be good to great in football. And congratulations to them and to Kyle Whittingham. Their biggest recruiting thing is they got to recruit against BYU um, because of the church, and they also recruit because, you know, look, they've got all these metropolitan areas in in the Pac-12. It's a different lifestyle, even though they had some tragedies in Salt Lake City last year but they recruit lifestyle that's different from LA and San Francisco and all of that. And that's, and they've done, they've been very, very smart in their PAC 12 membership. Bill Dolman
2: and Elijah Herbal taking you through a Friday here on Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by the Nebraska Water.
6: Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at Varsity. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR.
1: Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show. Chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Elijah Herbal and Bill Dolman filling in for Chris Schmidt today
2: as uh, we go through the top Husker topics for the week and really get Bill Dolman's take on each of them. As uh, we just heard from Derek Peterson, a former writer for Hale Varsity Magazine, still does the podcast, the Hale Varsity Club, now a writer for Saturdays Out West. It's a subsidiary of Saturdays Down South. As uh, Derek's good stuff, we always love talking to Derek. It's been way too long since we last got to talk to Derek, so got a two segmenter with uh, with Derek this hour, and it's uh, always good to get caught up with Derek. If you missed that, check it out. It's going to be posted up shortly. Lincoln dot com or uh, the Twitter or Facebook pages. You can check it out there as well. As uh, Bill, you blink and uh, we're getting to the end of the show here, and I I, I got to do it. I got to do it, Bill. We got to give a quick preview of the recruiting weekend as. Uh, <laughs> This this weekend isn't quite what Nebraska had in mind. Is, uh, I believe they had uh, 14 official visitors or 13 official visitors scheduled for this weekend. And about half of those guys ended up committing to a different school within the past 10 days. So Nebraska down to seven. Uh, official visitors, three of which are already commitments to Nebraska. Pop Watson, the quarterback from out in uh, Massachusetts, as well as Creighton Prep offensive lineman Sam Sledge and Florida defensive back Dwight Boodle, the little brother of – former Husker DiCaprio Boodle. So those are the three commitments that are looking to do some peer recruiting this weekend and I uh, get their official visit out of the way as uh, they're going to be in town. A couple uh, other names to let you know about Tayshaun Wilson. Uh, he's a, a speedster defensive back from down in Texas. And we'll get back to that Texas uh, facet just in just a second. Uh, Ryan Robinson from Louisiana. Uh, he's from Edna Carr High School and uh, he is uh, being recruited mainly by Mickey Joseph at Louisiana Connection, huge. Hayden Moore is a Colorado native, Bill, so I'm not sure if uh, you know anything about him. 22 official offers, uh, and uh, he visited Iowa State last weekend, going to be in town for uh, the Friday Night Lights camp as well as official visit weekend. Uh, he's an, at the inside linebacker spot, and uh, he is going to be a name to watch. But, Bill, I, I want to get back to this. Texas topic here, because uh, as I told you, Nebraska bringing in Tayshawn Wilson from down in Texas. They already picked up a, a commitment from uh, a Texan earlier this week in Riley Van Poppel, uh, son of a, a former MLB pitcher, and uh, a big commitment, the first from Texas for Nebraska in this class. And Nebraska's been consistent since joining the Big 12 that they'll get one or two guys from Texas uh, every single class, but it, it doesn't resemble anything close to the work that Bo Pelini and even before that, uh, uh, Callahan was putting in down in Texas so I, I want to get your take on the the Texas to Nebraska pipeline I, is it coincidence that as soon as the Texas to Nebraska pipeline seemed to dry up slightly that the the talent and, and the results here at Nebraska diminished that's what some national recruiting analysts would tell you that Nebraska has struggled to really find a place where they can go dive in and get a pipeline since they've joined the big Ten so I, I want to get your take on that I mean we know that the, the talent in and around Nebraska uh, can be slept on by some national media sources, but is, is, I, I, don't, I just don't want to ask: Is there enough talent? We know there is enough talent. We saw that back in the the late '80s and the '90s, that Nebraska was putting talent uh, from around the area uh, into good spots and, and getting them into the NFL. But h- how important do you think this Texas pipeline is, or could be, for Nebraska if they were to to reestablish some semblance of that?
3: Well, it, it's critical to have connections anywhere there is a talent base, not just Texas, but if you can get them in California, if you can get them in Florida, Nebraska's done a nice job in Georgia. Um, is, is Nebraska's slide, you know, does that parallel the lack of Texans on the roster? We won the 1997 national championship with nine of 11 starters on offense from the state of Nebraska. Okay you got to find players that fit the system that you want to play. Nebraska really doesn't, didn't have a consistent system for two decades. You know, we're hoping that with uh, some stability with Scott, that that starts to change a little bit. You get coaches that have connections. You know, Mickey obviously has great connections in Louisiana and probably East Texas, uh, and all the way down South. Um, Brian Applewhite coming in with what he's been able to do with, you know, flipping some guys from TCU or other Texas schools that, yeah, sure, it's significant. But it's not like every recruiting class that Nebraska had from 1970 to 2000 was made up of 23 guys from Texas. You got Texans that fit, you know, and and some of the guys that we brought up from Texas weren't highly, you know, recruited. Some were, but, you know, Aaron Taylor wasn't, highly highly recruited and he becomes one of the great offensive linemen in college football history and all american at two different positions you know you can find gems all over the country if you work hard and you bring them in and you establish you know a pipeline but yeah texas is important and then texas and a&m and no matter how much you're going to pay them uh houston they're not going to get everybody But if you can get a couple and you develop some relationships, sure, you're going to bring in a couple of guys that complement the program the way you want the program to go. So, you know, kudos for them to get uh, Mathis and uh, a couple of these other guys, you know, the names you're mentioning that are coming in to visit. Again, it's a a national brand. And Nebraska is proving that with the classes that they're putting in and where these guys are coming in and visiting from. Massachusetts and Georgia and Kansas City and, you know, Lincoln, Omaha Criton prep uh it's, it's it's to me it just seems like it's it's typical Nebraska recruiting. They'll go find them wherever they are and try to get them to come in and play is the
2: in your opinion we only got about ninety seconds left this segment, but in your opinion is, is the take that Nebraska's struggled since they joined the Big Ten because they had to change how they recruited is that too simplistic of an answer for Nebraska's struggles?
3: maybe you know maybe and maybe that's been used against Nebraska. You know, by by, you know, coaches down south that if you go there, nobody's going to see you play because you're going to be in the Big Ten. Well, you know, the Big Ten's probably putting more people in the NFL, so there that's a draw for Nebraska now. But yeah, that's probably been used against them by coaches down there. I, I, I'm sure it's not for lack of trying, but again, Nebraska has not had consistency in coaching, head coaches, assistant coaches. They need they need some longevity like they had back in the day and you know once you got guys who are on the program for 4 and 5 and 6 and 15 Charlie McBride years 20 years George Arlington for 30 whatever then those relationships develop and the flow of the players gets a little bit easier it's Bill Dolman joining us here
2: on Friday uh, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Wrapping up this show here as that's a big recruiting weekend for Nebraska as the past couple weekends have been. I, I believe we'll be getting caught up with Greg Smith on a Tuesday. It's a no Monday show next week. But Greg Smith, uh, I believe, going to be joining us next Tuesday to, to recap the recruiting weekend. We'll see if Nebraska gets any commitments from this recruiting weekend. And you can follow all of Greg's work on Twitter, Recruiting Extraordinaire, at Greg HB. One last thought here from Bill before we hit the, the commercial break.
3: You're also recruiting for the transfer portal. If they're not happy this time around, you never know when you can revisit them again. It's a great point. It's a great point. We'll wrap up a Friday edition
2: of Hale Varsity Radio coming up after the break. And then following that, we'll get you into some Lincoln Salt Dogs baseball. That's all coming up here uh, in a little bit. ESPN Lincoln for our local listeners. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the
7: Nebraska Lottery. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hail Varsity Radio Show podcast ten dollars off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do: ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com/slash-subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for ten dollars off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com/slash-subscribe promo code GBR.
1: Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: Elijah Herbal and Bill Dolman filling in for Chris Schmidt one last time here on Hale Varsity Radio as uh, we get you set for your weekend Saturday morning edition coming your way 7 to 9 a.m. tomorrow and if uh, you miss anything on this show today make sure you check it out in podcast form that's Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Hail Varsity YouTube page, really wherever you like to get your podcasts is where you can find Hail Varsity Radio. And if you're listening from across the state, it's a great way to get the Saturday morning show as well as it's for our local listeners here on ESPN Lincoln. But uh, we'll have good stuff as uh, Brandon Vogel joins the show tomorrow as well as Gary Sharp. And I believe we'll have uh, a sighting of Mark Cranack as well as uh, Chris Schmidt checks in from Denver. And anyone who's anyone is heading out to Denver this weekend as uh, Schmitty is in the, the beautiful city of denver my dad just texted me he just arrived in denver as he's going out to visit some family i'm stuck here in lincoln so bill I, you're giving me the look here on our on our stream it's uh yeah i i wish i was in denver this weekend too all the cool
3: kids are here and if those folks want to come over and help me move some furniture around i got a new bedroom set i need to put upstairs so that'd be much appreciated well i Schmitty. see i <laughs>
2: And, and Schmidty was telling me how he's going to he's oh, I'm going to find a way to get into that Stanley Cup finals game. And I'm like, good luck with that. I've been looking at ticket prices. And that's that's why yeah, yeah. one of the reasons I'm glad I'm not in Denver this weekend is because it would have pained me to be in Denver while the Stanley Cup finals were in town. And I would have been unable to go because of ticket prices. But that's the way she goes. So, so I'm stuck here in the capital city and I'm just going to try to stay cool this weekend as we got that, uh, that heat advisory in effect, as you just heard there in the commercial break. Uh, over 100 degrees the next couple of days, and uh, I got five baseball games I got to umpire this weekend, so I am already hydrating.
3: You know, it's awful warm out here, but uh, as I've often mentioned, the, the weather where you are is not conducive to going out and umpiring five games on a Saturday afternoon does not sound like a lot of fun. Um But you are right about the ticket prices. You know, I've heard thousands and thousands of dollars, and that was for game one. And after they won game one, that's, like, doubled to be ice level and just to be in the building. And I I can't even – you know, it's tens of thousands, I think, to get ice level uh, to get into, what is it, ball arena, McNichols Coliseum. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah. I, this has been a, a
2: trend that we've seen since COVID with ticket prices just spiking. Remember the Super Bowl this year, the crazy ticket prices, Stanley Cup finals, the NBA finals were pretty expensive. And there was a, a poll out this uh, this week from, oh, I don't think it was from Gallup, but it was from one of the, the major pollsters. And uh, people that want to get out and see a, a concert this summer are expecting to pay more. And they're expecting, not just willing, expecting to pay over $100 a seat and uh, most people uh, expecting to pay up to five hundred dollars a seat to sit where they want to seat just for concerts. So it's it's getting ridiculous. I'm getting priced out of being able to go to live events. But thank God I work in radio and I can uh, dirty my way into some free tickets sometimes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I I did see something yesterday a me and it wasn't a meme. It was a poll that said Nebraska is number one in fans consuming alcoholic or adult beverages. Did you see that? I did not. So, you know, if, if you're going to go to an event anywhere, I guess place, there is no place like Nebraska. That um, The average um, beer consumption is higher at Nebraska than anywhere else, and that's without having them being sold in the stadium. So, again, Nebraska fans might pay a lot of money, but they also have a good time while they're doing it.
2: Insert a joke here. Or number out. one. Insert a joke here about uh, needing beer to watch the Husker football team with the results over the past couple of years. But, Bill, <laughs> appreciate the time today on a Friday. You have yourself a lovely weekend. Stay cool, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, bud? Always good to be with you. See you.
1: A at Media Production.